Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with filmmaker Trish McAdam about her powerful film Songs of Blood and Destiny based on Marina Carr's epic poem I Girl. So thank you so much for um, chatting with us. Your Incredibles film is screening in the Kerry International Film Festival. It's it's a very visually striking film. It's it's like powerful for content and and theme and and delivered just through some extraordinary performances and in a very like evocative way, but a very kind of like honest and simple way. Like it's just really it's it's a really interesting and very gripping um for something that that is in a in a way an experimental film than like and and that the narrative is structured in such a way that it that it leaps um but it yeah it like it's it's surprisingly for that type of film like <laughs> like you mesmerizing like you can't look away and you're 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 brought on that journey and it's so violent and brilliant so like just just talk to me a little bit about how it came to be yeah, it is very funny because it, I, I think some of these things, uh, I think, do come out of COVID, actually, in a weird kind of way, because uh, people try and do things uh, in with limitations. And sometimes, you, you, you know, when you're doing things with limitations, you have to be very, very creative, you know. And uh, it, I think on this project, what's very lucky is that the creative minds that came together, if you know what I mean. So it's a really good poem start with you know and so um i think i read the poem and um it was clean amar and the clonwell junction festival who brought it to my attention because she was doing something with roger doyle uh, who had done an opera album uh, based on marina Carr's poem and so uh they asked me if i it was supposed to go on as, as a little part of the opera was supposed to go on as part of the festival on stage but because of COVID, it couldn't. So they said to me, would I do something with them as a as something they could put online? So they were talking about a video. And I said, well, I don't really want to do a video because I, you know, I didn't, it hadn't even been rehearsed. You know, I thought it's, it's actually a lot of work to make something theatrical work, you know, um, on, on film. So I said, uh, I don't know, I said, I, I thought about it. And strangely enough, uh, what I came up with was this idea that you could just do the face, okay? And I was thinking about the face, and I was thinking, um, uh, so uh, Morgan Crowley was going to do it. He was, we were doing Oedipus, and he was going to do it. And I, I rang him up. He said, I've I never even done selfies. I said, well, well, I'm going to have to do this on a mobile phone. I'm going to have to send you the mobile phone. But I'll send you a little gadget that you can set it up. And I want you to put white makeup on your face so that you, you you have a mask on. And I want you to film it several times and sometimes be, be singing what you were singing and sometimes not. And and he said, he was very kind of unsure, you know, and I said, I'll send you a frame so you can copy it. And the frame that I picked was Sinead O'Connor doing Nothing Compares to You, <laughs> which is funny, you know, in a way, because, uh, you know, it's such a brilliant video and she's so brilliant and somehow they really did pick a very interesting thing that they just left it on the face you know and I thought well that's possible I mean I know Sinead is a genius but I still thought there's a very great power in the face so 
Morgan set it all up. He did it all. He sent it back to me and then I just started layering it from charcoal drawings I had and pictures I had. So it was a very small little piece. It was like, I think it was seven minutes long and, it, you know, we that went online and, and, you know, people really liked it. So Cleena said to me, you should look at the poem. So I did. And then uh, there's a, a, I put it in for an Arts Council Project Award. It's a very low budget. Like 70, is it? It's 70, like it changes, but it's around 70, yeah. So I had to really think, how am I going to do this? You know, and now the beautiful thing is that the poem is so good. So I, I wrote a kind of a script. I got Marina to approve it. I had to make some small changes to her poem, uh, a little bit in the order. And also, um, I, I said to her, it's too long. And so I needed to cut some, there were th two Ducostas and three Antigones. So I said to her, I won't cut the lines. I'll never edit the lines on you, but I'll just cut a couple of chunks out. So we, we got the script. And um, then I went to Maureen Hughes. Now, Maureen Hughes is a brilliant casting director. And I had in my head that Eileen Walsh would be great as the narrator. Because I've done some work with Eileen and I, I just think Disco Pigs is another thing that's, you know, that kind of... Um, two-hander or something that really, really worked. Um, and so I've, I've always really liked her. I think she's a very, um, you know, she's she has that thing you're talking about of being able to halfway go between film acting and theatre acting. You know, so it's bringing those two skills somewhere. Anyway, Maureen and I talked about all the different parts. And Maureen is brilliant at having an eye out for who's around at the time. So Kathy Belton, amazing. Like Kathy Belton came on board from Brian. And then the two young actors who I think Maureen's particularly good at new talent, spotting new talent. So Ella Lily Highland, when I saw her video, I thought, oh, absolutely. She's very cheeky. I don't know if you've seen her comedy, but she's very funny. She's funny. She's funny. And I thought she's got a great, she really had a great face. And, and I love the idea of the accent. You know, for Joan of Arc, she's got a kind of a, I think she's Carlo or Tipperary or somewhere around there. Maybe. And then Holly Lee, uh, then, then uh, Holly Sturton, who for Antigone. So, you know, so you start off with a very good piece of writing and then you get. And so, so then I was thinking, well, where will I shoot it? So uh, I got this production manager, Grace Sexton, and I was saying, I was imagining some kind of maybe, you know, barn or, you know, some place you know that we would get for very cheap anyway she told me somebody told her that the apre match uh, green screen studio and rte was available and it's a really small little studio but all we were doing was close-ups so we ended up with this like on a very small budget we ended up with this perfect location because it had a, a makeup area and it had a shooting area and it had a canteen and you know everybody knew where it was and it had car parking so this the, the the whole shoot was so well, you know, it was so simple, you know. And so what I did is I shot for six days. So two days with Eileen and then one day with all the rest of them. And it was very ordered in the sense that um, I wanted to combine um, some element of rehearsal and, and performance. 
you know, in the in the in the one time. I didn't want them to come too prepared. I wanted to, you know, kind of to be quite spontaneous. So they all come in reading from the script. I gave them all a single script of just their part. So they're all reading from the page in the morning. And by the by lunchtime, they're off page. <laughs> and by then we have found the rhythm of Marina's poem. Marina's poem uh, is if you it's written in lines, like word, 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 two words, three words. So but it's you can't read it as sentences. So they came in doing sentences and I was encouraging them. No, no. Marina says she writes and it comes from the gods and she hears something and then she waits for the next word. So you have to do the same when you're performing. So they started to do this acting that they were thinking the next word, but actually they knew the next word, but they were acting this thinking. That, and somehow the rhythm of it would come to them all very obviously. It was a very definite Marina Carl rhythm, you know. And and after six days, I was talking like Marina Carr because you get so used to the rhythm, it sounds. I was saying to somebody the other day, it's a bit like Shakespeare. You know, if you hear somebody doing Shakespeare, well, it sounds perfectly straightforward. Well, Marina's a bit like that. If you read it at sentences, it's not that great. But if you read it the way she wrote it, it suddenly pops. So at, at, at um, lunchtime, just before lunch, I had the... Um, Sam guy put together the best takes and then I left the actor in the room on their own with the camera listening to themselves and um, I just asked them to perform that you know whatever way they felt, just listen to themselves and then try and do an inner performance and so um, then after lunch you know, back and did um, I got them to put on their face makeup and they had a mask on and they knew the lines. So we went through it all over again and I filmed that. So I'm filming everything. And then at the end of the day, I did the same thing with them, with their mask on. I said, okay, I want you to sit in the room on your own, listen to your final performance and just give me, you know, non-spoken performance. So I had four takes to edit with, you know. And also I felt the actors really felt empowered by being able to listen to their own performance and then in a sense know what was sounding good and what wasn't. And the other thing I did is I put a mirror lens on the camera so they could see it. And I think this partly comes from Morgan doing so well when I gave him the camera and I wasn't even there. And I thought there was something about his performance where he took charge and it really worked very well. It took the responsibility, you know, and actually it really, really worked very well. So I did that, I had six days shoot. And then, so the whole thing is shot in six days. Then I go into post-production. That took, and that took about two years. <laughs> <laughs> so to, yeah, you, you say, because that, like, that's an amazing process because it's so short. There's, like, I mean, the whole thing is dialogue, but it's delivered so powerfully. You, like as a viewer, you assume like, you know, the actors have 
had a long time with this work. Do you know, like I'm I'm sure they they read the 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 epic poem, but like it just it feels very polished and deep when you're going in. Do you when you're directing the actors? So you said you actually let them maybe decide on takes or would you nudge um, a specific type of performance from somebody? Would you have conversations about the character or what you're looking for ahead of the shoot? No, I, I actually think it was, it, it's sort of interesting because I think process is very interesting. Doing is interesting. So yes, we, we did it in very short paragraphs. So I didn't, they never read the whole thing. So in the morning, they would read a paragraph and I would say, mm, maybe this, the, the, what are you, you know, and we would talk about it. And then they would do it again. And so they didn't just do it four times. They did it 20 times. But they, you know, we just did a paragraph at a time and we would get to a certain stage of it in these four phases where I feel it's right enough now. But they, it, it, it happened the same way with all of them because I was very clear with the, with the um, method that I was using and I saw it worked. Then I just, I also had this sense that it was going to have this rhythm of having been not being absolutely perfect, but you always get a line, you know, you know, from editing, you always get a line that you'll never get again. And it can happen by accident. And sometimes we use some of the earlier, probably use mostly the last half of the day, but the odd bit of the earlier where they're looking around or you know, and again, that comes from the experience of COVID of handing a camera over to Morgan, who'd never used a camera before. And he did certain things that made me realize, you know, that he could go out of frame or he could go and, and, and that I could use it in the edit. So I was telling them, turn their heads, do this, you know, like you can, you know, you can. And, and they did start, as you see, doing things like moving in and because they could see themselves. So... So I think, I think, yeah, uh, the roots of it are in the poem, in the rhythm of the poem and getting that right. And then it's, uh, there's something about Marina's work that you think it means one thing and then it suddenly starts meaning something else. And so by saying the words one at a time, they were able to go through that as a performance where they would perform it one way and then it would turn. And I think it's pretty exciting for them. And, uh, and then to hear it back and realize that it was working. Uh, yeah, I think they all thought it was a really nice, it was a really nice shoot because it was just, let me go off and have lunch in Ortee Canteen <laughs> and then do Oedipus on a mountain, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was really good. It was, it was just a very nice, they were all really brilliant, you know, and uh, Maureen uses a big responsibility for that. So I think everybody was in a very confident mood. And I honestly think Marina's work is like a magnet to actors. They all love her work. So I was able to, I think they were really able to trust her, you know. And you as well with your strong crack record. And, you know, like, you know, it's it's going to be a strong, artistic, like worthwhile film as well. Yes. And and, and I I think their sense of um, being me letting them, giving them a long leash to, to do what they wanted to do. They took that permission and often they aren't given 
somebody has an idea in the head. The other thing I was I constantly was saying to them is, you know, I cast you because I want you as Antigone. I don't have an Antigone in my head. And it's not Marina's Antigone. It's your Antigone I'm looking for. You know, like, so be you and Antigone at the same time. You know what I mean? Or be Jocasta, whatever. So it's that kind of combination of, of, of I think, uh, sometimes um, people can try and make actors maybe act something they have in their head rather than what the actor is capable of. I think people are the best at being themselves. So... Yeah, so I go. I, I I mean, I was very, very lucky with it. And I was lucky with the crew. I had a very nice, you know, simple single camera. But uh, Fiona Graham, who knew she, what she was doing, you know, so she was very competent about the lighting. I know she put up a nice lighting set. You know, she had to make sure that she was watching the focus when they were, you know, allowed to move in and out with the camera. Because even though it's a close-up, they're still doing all this. So it's very concentrated and hard to concentrate on a very simple camera, but she had the right lens, she had the right distance, she had the, you know, she had all that. And 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 the same with the sound. You know, so I've got the sound person, the camera person, and the and the makeup person and the production manager. The other thing is that when you shoot film, often you're very distracted by the crew costumes that uh, you know everybody wanted to know where is this what's this what's, uh, what's happening tomorrow and everything this was very very focused on the actors so it just made it simpler made it simpler for all of us it was nice it was a nice shoot and you were saying then the the thing that it wasn't simple was the post because there's so much yeah. animation the i mean the sound mix is incredible the, the composition the like it, it's very it's a very kind of powerful, it gives it so much energy. Just how do you find that then in the edit first and then with the effects? Well, what we did was uh, um, I was went down to Utrecht where Connie Farrell lives and where she was editing and we edited the performances. And, you know, so then we had our length, if you like, and that that in a way, that's the poem pacing it. Um, and so then we started to work on some ideas for what kind of overlays might go. I mean, I, I went into it very open. I did feel that I had uh, material for it because I've been taking photographs for a very long time and drawing and I have a huge kind of archive of my own work to pull from. You know, and I, I've been traveling in, in Namibia, Argentina, you know, Europe, America, New York, you know, so all these kind of places that I I kind of, when I read the poem, I thought, oh, I do a lot of nature photographing and a lot of cityscapes and a lot of textures. I've always photographed textures for no good reason, except now I know where to put them. <laughs> so I had this bank and I had done the Oedipus thing, but also I've been working in animation for a few years now, since about 2009. And so, you know, I knew I was bringing all that. I knew I could make animation. Like when it came to it, I could make something that would slot in. So we started to work with the textures first, just textures on faces. And then we got to a certain point where we thought we had, we need the music, you know, because uh, even though the cuts were there, we were having another layer of cuts, these overlays, and to 
put on top. And so um, I'm a big fan of a musician called Niels Fram. And he played in the National Concert Hall. I went to see him there. He's an incredible composer of uh, keyboard um, and electronics and DJing kind of stuff. And I was talking to this woman, Ashling Higgins in Clonmel, and I was saying to her about music and how much I loved him. And he said, she said, oh, there's a guy called Paddy Mulcahy down in Limerick, who you should listen to. So I said, okay, send me stuff. And so uh, Connie and I got uh, some, some stems from Paddy and we put them into the material. And it really, really just worked. You know, we looked at each other and went, this is the music, you know. And so it turned out that Paddy actually had played support to Neil's frown at some point. So there was real connection between this musician that I really love and, and, and his work, which was also very nice. So he was very generous. He gave us a whole lot of stems and we allowed us to, to layer them. And then, in a sense, what I'm doing with the overlays is, a, I think, is a bit like what this kind of musician does that composes with sampling and with putting effects on things and with a, a rhythm of sorts. So that's really what I'm doing. Sometimes there's four layers, sometimes there's 10 layers. You just keep putting the layers on and affecting them in different ways and how they're overlaid and moving them around and say, you, there's a kind of like playing music. There's an instinctive moment where you go, that works. Or that nearly works, I'll get back to it. So it's just a process of going through it and through it and through it. So we worked, I think, for a few weeks down in, in, in uh, Utrecht. And then there was a series of um, going away and coming back and me working on it and Connie working on it. And there's a kind of an interaction in this kind of editing that's probably, you know, the classic editing she would have done of the performances and later of the, you know, doing all the fine tuning with the music and all that is very classical. But when it came to the layering, there was a bit of toing and froing, you know. So that's that's kind of more or less it. <laughs> yeah, and it's fabulous. And you were saying with the animation, so you were dealing with Gorilla Post for some of it, or would you be hands-on and um do sections of yourself of that animation yourself? Because like, like no, it's... Gorilla didn't do any animation. Okay, I, I, I did a Gorilla Post in terms of the uh, sound. Okay, the sound post. So so uh, there's actually a credit in there for Mark Sherwin who's a, a After Effects animator. So I've worked with him a number of times. So things like the um, the New York eatery, that kind of shot that goes down like that. So I worked with him, he's in After Effects. So I would have drawn the flat drawing of the, uh, of the inside. He'd make the box, then I'd give him the layers of the box. I gave him the map. And Mark and I have worked together now for, I suppose, about 10 years. So he, we have, I don't think he does like anything like this with anybody else. <laughs> I, we have this kind of thing where I don't know. We make these things. I always it's a it's it is a a, a, a very collaborative process because I give them things and then it's, it's we're kind of inching towards it being right. It usually takes about eight versions before we get to the point where it's graded or start. So he did the caves and the and 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 that uh, moving uh, that kind of animation. The the girl walking, the robot girl. So she's made up of um, like I did um, 
Yeah. I was kind of thinking of this robot was sort of cool and she would want to have retro legs. So I looked up um, prosthetics from the First World War and found these amazing wooden prosthetics that really had beautiful texture on them. So I drew them. That's, I drew them and gave them, that's her legs. And then I found this robot, contemporary robot that had these nice arms. So I drew them, gave them, and then I gave her a little skirt. And So she's actually a collage. And then you just, you know, all her bits move. So then I animated her. So that's, that's, that's my animation. I'm trying to think of what else is. So it's kind of a little bit the, 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 there's a lot of char charcoal drawing in there that's just not necessarily animated, but it's, it's, it's drawn like you would draw animation. So it's a combination of photography, video, painting sometimes. You know, there's some paintings in there as well. Did anything sort of change in that process in terms of like you knew you were going to use those artwork or was it something that was, you know, trial and error from your um your initial like shorter form project? Did, did anything because it kind of feels sort of organic and, and building on top of things all the time? Yeah, it's like most things in life. You write a script and then it doesn't work. Like, so I did write a script. I mean, in the script, it would go, what's happiness? And then there's, the, there's images of this, New York, whatever. But actually, you know, and, and then there's underwater, mermaids. and blah, blah, blah. But actually, uh, I didn't have any mermaids at the time. And I, I, I it, it didn't, it, then you start doing the actually edit. It's good to have something to start with. But that image of... Uh, uh, on her face at the beginning is just an image I have from New York that I always really liked that I used in a slideshow in the 80s this cage and I just kind of thought there's something I wanted to start at the beginning of this of like a woman in a cage that like caged like like and then they haven't put my tongue out yet so there's this sort of uh, sense of women's liberation at the moment but at the same time this sense that in parts of the world women's repression seems to be even greater than it was that the progression is not even and that it's capable of collapse at any point uh, into chaos and if societies do collapse into chaos we see the potential um, sudden erosion of all that uh, right stuff so she, I think Marina started kind of starting off with that that you know, uh, the complexity of women's lives, but at the same time, the fragility of of our position. Yeah. And historically as well, that, that's one thing that it does so well, like it goes up through like the ages, but makes it so personal um, and angry. That's what I really, I really thought like that part, like, you know, like to the words where you're actually examining, you know, we've all heard those stories, but you actually get a sense of the violence behind it and and that personal effect like it's just so it's just so powerful I had never I had only heard sections of it I had never heard it performed like that and it's it's enthralling um with something that's and you were saying it's two years for the post did you have to keep trying things like did you eventually just stop or were you like I it is it will not get any better 
or do you go okay I have a screening I'm working to deadline like something, something yeah like I did have a screening I had a, a big responsibility because Kleena had the Junction Film Festival Arts Festival after a year and I was supposed to have it ready for it and so we did have something ready for it which had uh, was near enough to what you see now but it wasn't it wasn't completely finished. So we had a kind of a screening that was a work in progress screening, which was very useful, actually. I mean, we cut 10 minutes out of it afterwards. I actually listened to some of it. In, it was it was in a tent down in Carmel. It was great screening, actually. It was a really nice place. And she was good enough to let it, you know, come in that stage. I mean, people still respond. We knew after that that the audience would respond to it. Respond to it. We knew it was a little bit too long, um, but we also knew it was still too rough to actually say it was finished. So that was quite, the the leading up to trying to get ready for Clonmel was very hectic. I went down again to Utrard. I stayed in this amazing place uh, near the coral, the lake, and, and much of the lake, uh, we would go out some days and just shoot the lake and use them as as overlays, you know, the sparkly lake or the little warm kind of, you know, the lake was amazing surface. It was an, and a beautiful light down there. But also there was a woman, the place I was staying, this woman was a breeder of dogs and cats. So there was dogs and cats around a lot. And she had chickens. And I shot the chickens. Uh, like I shot shots of the chickens because they were running around uh, like wild. And so uh, they were cocks and they were very funny, you know. And so they're in the film, in in the Joan of Arc bit, when she's, her mother is talking to her, you see the chickens. So, so they're actually, and then the chickens got killed. It was that kind of crazy editing situation where I'm in this place and I'm shooting stuff around me because it happens to be there and I need some grass or I need some this. Some of the grass is from um from from I knew before I went to him when we were shooting in RTE there's there's in front of the canteen there there's grass from the you know big long tall grass and beautiful wind and certain lights and you see it and and so uh, there's the, some of the uh, Joan of Arc, there's a um, arbutus tree in the just beside the canteen in RTE. There's this, and when it rains, the bark goes really red. And it's like a body. It's like a, you know, sort of part of a body. So some of, of, of Joan of Arc's burning is using that tree. So it's like um, you, you just... You're kind of when you're working like that, you become obsessed with everything you see. Is and, uh, I was down Bullock Harbour and uh, there were seals there one day, and I swear to God they were auditioning. They were being so funny, you know, because normally you take the ca camera and they run away, you know. But I took the camera and they were like, you know, so they're in it, you know. And uh, I think it, it just became a completely uh, way of life for a while. As anyway, we have finished it in August, uh, July uh, 2022. And then, you know, we were, uh, I was working on it here and Connie was working on it. So it just, we weren't doing it full time, but we were just keep going in and do some more, do some more. 
Something something like that sounds very consuming, though. Was it a relief when it was over or did you miss it? Did, you know, constantly tipping away at it. Well, actually, I'm doing the, the um, no, I, I'm nearly finished. I'm doing the subtitles at the moment. <laughs> and I've got somebody who's hard of hearing looking at them for me because I want them to work for hard of hearing as well. But I'm trying to do them in a non um typical subtitling way and the other thing i'd be curious to see what you think is we're wondering whether to leave subtitles up i'm, I'm trying to do it though in a way that it, it matches so so it's, it's kind of uh it's, you know i think when you do do these things and the reason you do them with the arts council is there isn't a restriction on when to finish and you can keep doing it because it's worth getting it right i think it's worth getting it right so i'm trying to get it so that the subtitles match the poem yeah in that they're not in sentences i don't because if you put them in sentences it gets too straight or something so they're like fragmented little extra bits in there i i was surprised myself when i was doing them for the heart of hearing that i thought actually it's kind of interesting if i can get it right but so it takes a little bit of work so normally subtitle would take like a day or two to do and it's taking a couple of weeks because i have to get a few people to look at it and make sure it's right. But somebody told me that a lot of people li- look at, at things with subtitling them. Yeah, a lot of people do. And the words are so important, like the words that are chosen. They're so powerful that it yeah. is it is a good it is a good thing to kind of spotlight the form of them. And, you know, like, yes, it highlights that it's based on a poem and that it's a poem. So I, I think we're moving towards doing that, but I, I definitely think it'll work for, like at the moment, um, you know, uh, Mechanigan saw it in Galway, and so his company in Cork is looking after the festival routes for it now out of the country. Uh, and so he's, that, that's really brilliant because I, I think Mick is somebody who's been programming for a very long time and has been um, involved with, dealing with festivals for a very long time and it you know I think he will know how to place it you know because even in in Kerry Declan was you know saying it's marginal what it is you know trying to find a slot for it is difficult because um what I would say to anybody is though when I watch it with audiences Audience, people are often think audiences are more conservative than they are. If something is good, I think they'll go with it. They're, they're not going into the cinema expecting everything to be the same. It Like, I still, I'm sort of reeling from having watched it. Like, it's really, really beautiful and powerful. And I think, like, that focus on the face is so simplistic and the performance is like, oh... Eileen Walsh, like it was oh, just Eileen Walsh is great, isn't she? like there was a few times where she was just doing a little bit of the description, like a, a, like she just had a delivery and it gets you like you really yeah. are sort of dragged into it, whether you like it or not. And I think the visceral nature of the cinema is very powerful. So I would say, yeah, it's probably a harder thing to sell. Yeah, it's theatrical. In a sense, but I all, all I would say is that I don't think it takes a very like people are watching animation a lot now and I think they will take to a world like that and it you know 
and and the fiction that people are reading. I mean, and they're doing games all the time. And so I think actually once you get them to a certain point, they stop seeing it as anything other than what it is. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot of uh, connection now between poetry and rap and music and you know the kind of way music has words in it now. It's it's kind of keying into all of those things. So I I don't think audiences. I suppose uh, sometimes. Uh, it's easier to get an audience to come to something they're kind of safer about or something. But uh, I think once they're in there, I do think audiences really go. Yeah, yeah. I think it's always the different the the difficulty in marketing films. Do you know? Like, I think it is just consistent for every single filmmaker. But something like this that is so distinct is it is it a, is it a visual poem? Is it animation? Is it um, theater and the answer is it is it is it like non-narrative art is it you know like is is it very strong narrative at the same time and the answer is just yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> is it fiction is it truth is it documentary is it auto is it performed dramatized uh documentary and the answer is just sort, like sort of yes maybe in a way like all of yes to all of the above mm. I think what's interesting is that festivals are beginning to have a role again. Yeah. You know, they lost their way for a while. And I think they're now beginning to have a role. Uh, Mick was saying to me that discovery is the big word now. So it's like discovering something that isn't getting the attention or isn't likely to get the attention, you know, because um, things are going straight to Netflix or they're going straight to streaming so they don't really have the festival's role is not quite as unique as it, you know, it's, it's hard for them to get anything that hasn't been around already. So, I, you know, I'm curious to see where it will go. I think because it's Marina as well, I'm hoping it will have uh, an educational aspect, you know, because there's, there's kind of a lot of, of uh, like we're trying to get it into some, you know, good festivals, but then to also get it into a lot of Irish places and the, you know around the world there are others because I think there's a, it's it's a, gotten an Irish imagination in it, like sourced from somebody like Marina who, I mean I don't know it, it, you know um, people have already discovered that about her. I think she's very unusual as a writer. You know, uh, she really likes it. You know, which is great. She's she's very hands off. She's very generous that way. Um, but I think she will come to some festivals with me, you know, and I think I'm hoping it will have some um, connection into the cultural kind of Irish thing because Marina's well known in that area, you know. I, I, th- I hope that will help it in, in, in the door, if you know what I mean. It would be interesting as well. Something like this would be on the leaving cert, but there's a lot of se- it's very graphic and and violent. Do you know? Like, I mean, that's the testament to it. But it's, yeah. but I was I was like, I wonder how does that fit in? But I think like something like senior cycle. It's very shocking. Yeah. It's very shocking what you say, but it's not. It's not. It's only shocking because you've thought it yourself, probably, or or it's it's taking. It's she's not afraid. To, but you know she's not 
she's not pro, um, it's not a, some kind of uh, polemic. It's actually somebody's feelings. Yes. Against the world in and what we and, and not knowing what to do about it. Yeah. And it's you know, I think the key to to Marina's um freshness and what 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 the actors are bringing to it too is she does um use the personal with with scale of things and the emotions that one has with family and how that's a mess and then go out into the world of homo sapiens and go and that's a mess <laughs> and you go beyond and you think it's all a mess. <laughs> it's all a big mess and you know i suppose it's good for people to know they're not alone in feeling things are a bit of a mess yeah and I suppose that's it. Like, if you think about it, we put all these narrative structures on, like, the failings of humanity and we use it to tell, like, you know, in, in classic, you know, stories and it's, you know, the hero's journey. And I actually what I thought was very interesting about this is, like, it is her using personal pain to acknowledge the damage the collateral damage like caused by man and humanity and and, and how that affects yeah and how that affects if has affected us all and giving face and voice to women in history that you know before would have been this like noble um abstract ideal and to go these were human women who yeah. had to deal with pain in like a yeah. in like a misogynistic society and and the fallout of that and and to give them those like those really relatable human yeah but Marina also brings in men and I think this is what there's a lot of women who love men you know and yeah and a lot of lovely men out there but like you look at Oedipus's story yeah. and somebody was saying to me that they lo looked at it and thought I'd never thought from Oedipus's point of view before like as a child you know to go through that and 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 you know that way that she talks about the damage that's done to him, and that he's never able to be okay after that, after lying on that mountain. And you never, you think how terrible for Jocasta, and you kind of think how terrible, but somehow he's inside the baby, being the baby. Yeah. And he never forgets that. The gentle Neanderthal man and gentle the act of violence that was bestowed upon them. And I think like yeah. it speaks to colonialism and that fallout of couriers on the corner. <laughs> but it's so like it's so sort of universal, yeah. you know, and yeah. personal and universal and, and big and small and domestic and political. Like, so that's why yeah. that's why it's really it's just a really beautiful like and, and because it's told so personally you watch it. But actually, that's what's really hard because it's very confronting. Like, there's a lot of acts of violence that when you go into it, you're like, it's actually like you can hear like a documentary talk about it, a third person face to camera describe something that happened in the past yeah. and you don't yeah. have that personal yeah. attachment or that first hand. But I suppose that's the beauty of fiction and, and like somebody like in the hands of Kathy Belton to, to go through all that she went through, and then suicide. And I also, because I've watched it a lot now, every time I see it, I get something different out of it. But uh, Antigone also, it's very hard on her mother. You know, about her incest and her hanging herself. 
And it's that naive adolescent point of view where you think. You know it all. You know it all. And well, that's great as well that she talked to Creon the way she did. And that she was, you know, she's, she's, a, she's a very understandable character. But you see the fault of that character. So I think, and you know in some way that Marina has been that character and you've been that character. And I, I said to her when I read it first, I, I said, I just thought it was about me. You know, and I thought, I wrote this. And she said, no, no, <laughs> that's about me. And I <laughs> so I said to her, well, I think one of the reasons I want to do it is I think there's probably a lot of people out there who will think that's me. Not exactly, but... It's amazing how extreme it is and yet how personal it is that you kind of actually, I know you mean, Marina. <laughs> like, yeah, she, she, you have to say the source of these things are, you know, you can't start with a bad script or you get nowhere. and But then you have to do something interesting. Even a good script will not survive if it doesn't have these elements that come in, like Maureen and the cast and the, you know, the, you know so I, I kind of think, yeah, you get lucky sometimes and these elements come together where nobody's fighting the film and nobody's, everybody goes with it and somehow the work comes out through, through the people because nobody's fought it, you know. And had you known all that, like all that work, all that time, Ever, going out and getting all those textures and, and catching on. Yeah. Had you known that, would you have been like, I'm saving for the bigger award? <laughs> would you, or would you go into it again and go, okay, I'll, I'll budget my time in a way? Like, oh no, I would definitely. In fact, I was up in Anna McCarrick last week because um, I have a film called End of Romance, which everybody loves the script of, but f- because I'm a strange director, it's very hard to get money for it. So I, I, I have to bring my budgets down all the time. And so I was up in America trying to figure out how to, how to bring it down. But actually, you do get a creative freedom. I don't mind editing. I love editing. You know what I mean? I love the editing process. To me, it's a big part. For some directors, it's not a thing. For me, editing is huge. You know, and and I mean, I suppose all the elements are, are very... I love the whole thing, you know. So I would just... As long as I, I'm doing it, I, I'm absolutely happy. The hard thing is getting the money to do it, you know. And even Marco Halloran is is yeah. the lead, isn't it? That, that... Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, so so that's, and I, I, you know, he's a fantastic person. As you can imagine, for me to work with an actor like that, it's, 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 that's what these actors are like. It's a very great privilege to work with somebody who under, has a skill you don't have and can talk to you about it and then use it in a way. And I feel he's going to do an incredible, an incredible Yates. But I have, I, 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 I'm being inspired by this one to actually pull it back a bit and try and do it on a lower budget so I have more creative freedom because what I'm trying to say in it, you know, because it's more gone, it's all gone Yates in the war, you know, and, and London in the arty side of London. And it is something about society and personal relationships. And so it's in a way, it's the same kind of, of, of material. And so I think it's interesting for me to see audiences go with this um, and feel I can actually fracture something. And as long as the narrative is powerful and the performances are good, 
that you can and but it's it's period that would be like expensive although a lot of people in that era shoot in Dublin because it does look like London and it's easier well to what have. I'm trying to do is a modernist version okay rather than a period version because actually people think of that as period but it's it's, it's the, the 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 beginning of the 20th century was the period of electrification and and the fracturing of music and art and if you look at the art of the time, it's very like punk and actually a bit like now. And and around the time of AI, that's what's that's exactly what's around the corner. Like we have that changing of technology. We right now we're on that cusp of um yeah. how is that gonna change it? So that's yeah. very and also the 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 way Yates was working, if you see Yates plays, which I still think are ahead of his time, you know, they're using uh, Japanese dancers and you know, like very and also the, at the at the Hawks Well is the play that he's doing in the end of romance, and he's he's it's shot by this photographer called Alvin Langdon Coburn, who's an experimental early experimental photographer. So he's he's photographed this. I actually can see the rehearsals, and he's also photographed Ezra Pound, Yates, and and so there's an exhibition in the film of the work that he did at the time with these crystals and. So the way that experiment is going on in the arts at that time, some of the photography of that period, you know, Man Ray and all of that. So it's really, you know, you can do period. I want to do period in a way that's not like period you've ever seen before. It's going to be shockingly bright and colourful and modern. Brilliant. Okay, well, I look I look forward to that and you'll have to come back and <laughs> chat with us. I could chat to you for hours. I have to let you go now. But, but no, yeah. no, that's fabulous. Um, okay. Well, hopefully we'll see you at the Kerry International Film yeah. Festival. If not, we'll see one of your brilliant representatives from an amazing film. I couldn't I couldn't kind of recommend it more. It's it's I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. There's no real spoilers you can give, but it's just not maybe exactly what you would picture when you picture it it's it's but it's just it's a it's it's a a real visual um yeah. treat so it definitely is something that would suit a cinema and i think because of that theatrical link watching it with an audience in it like it kind of only elevates that that the depth of that those emotions like it, i think experiencing things together in that room is 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 going to be very very powerful so yes definitely get tickets for that one Okay, great. Well, nice Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.